0: Hello, everyone. It's good to be back here. I actually arrived in Sweden with uh, no bank card, strangely enough. My bank card got canceled yesterday as I was about to leave because of somebody who was defrauding it. This is a true story. So I actually cannot, I've got a bunch of cash here and no card in the country that has the lowest cash usage in the world. Luckily, though, the organizers have been paying for everything, it seems, so Like I should be able to get around. Um, also, a couple of stories linked to the previous two talks, um, I don't know if you guys have been watching the Hong Kong protests recently, but one of the biggest or well, most interesting stories that came out of there was that all the protesters were queuing up for ages at the, at the metro system trying to buy paper tickets, uh, because they, essentially paper tickets can't be traced. and when they have the the other system that they're using, which is called the octopus card, can be traced. So they don't want to be seen going to the protest site. So they're all these huge queues of people doing the quote-unquote more inefficient thing, right? Because actually these people have reasons to value things beyond pure efficiency and convenience. Um, Actually, a society that only only values convenience probably has some serious problems. Actually, many things that we value, uh, for example, if you're raising children, can you imagine if you raised children purely based on convenience? Like every time a child wants something, you just say, okay, do that, because it's the easiest thing, it's the easiest thing. You you essentially degrade people's character if you constantly move towards convenience. But this is what the commercial sector always wants us to do, right? Because it's how you sell things. You sell things on short-term cycles. Um, also, another story about say, programmable money, it's, always been, it's, it's an idea that's been around for a while, it's an interesting idea. Um, I'll tell you some people who are quite interested in doing it right now, the Chinese social credit system. Where people are essentially looking at how you, you know, give people scores and then control what they can get access to via the digital money system. All right. So, sort of steer people down certain routes of behaviour. Now, in Sweden, people don't get too upset about this because people have high levels of trust in institutions generally. Um, but it's a, it's a quite a controversial topic as soon as you move out of these kind of you know highly de- sort of democratic societies. Um, anyway, I should probably go into my talk. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm going to flick through it as fast as I can. But but. Uh, I've kind of become one of the people who talks about the war on cash. And the reason why there's a bunch of us who do this is that the standard narrative in society is that cashlessness, quote-unquote cashlessness, is a sort of organic process. It's just percolating from the bottom up by ordinary individual people who are just sort of making these organic decisions to switch to this other thing, right? Um, Now, this is pure, if you want to, like, this this is a, a, a pure, to put it crudely, capitalist ideology, corporate capitalist ideology, where essentially you always wanna focus attention on the small person in society, quote, unquote, the consumer, all right? The sort of like random person who wanders around in markets who apparently controls what's going on in the world, all right? Of course, if you actually go and ask any person in society, how much agency do you believe that you had in the emergence of this technology, almost nobody believes they had anything to do with the emergence of the technology, all right? What actually happens is there's large-scale institutions. Institutions push the stuff onto you for various commercial reasons and various other reasons. Um, and the, the large-scale institutions love to disguise themselves and just never talk about themselves as if they're just not there, all right? So it, the story about the war on cash is a, a, a bunch of us who are trying to say, actually, Over the last few decades, large-scale institutions, banks, payments companies, governments, have all been actively um, eroding the cash system to slowly make it more and more likely that you're gonna quote-unquote choose uh, to go to the digital systems, okay? Now you might believe that you're choosing this, um, but actually the whole environment is being structured in a way that makes you more and more likely to do it. Um, And right now, it's basically succeeded in a lot lot of countries. Sweden, it's already basically happened. In the UK right now, it's switched about last year. Um, cash went uh, uh, kind of plummeted, and digital payments went flying up. Um, and, but when you when you start to like look into the record, you find hundreds of examples of how this has been going on for decades. Okay, and I'm, I don't have time to go into all of them. I mean, Visa, which is the world's, the world's largest sort of payments facilitator, which facilitates transfers between bank accounts, um, actively talks about this. They've got a, an active propaganda campaign that they are run. I don't know if you guys can read that, but they they say this here they launched this campaign in London where they, where they said, this is our, uh, our latest step in our long-term strategy to make cash seem peculiar by 2020, in people's eyes. Now, in London, 2020 is next year, cash, these guys have succeeded. People are starting to see if cash as peculiar, whereas 10 years ago, nobody saw it as peculiar. These guys have been slowly but surely eroding The public's confidence in in this payments medium my grandparents for example never thought there was anything weird or strange or criminal about cash This has been constructed this idea. All right Um, also visa jumped onto this uh, the, 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 in, in India, the government launched a huge anti-cash campaign. All right? like They actively attacked the cash system. Visa jumped on board straight, straight with these guys. They worked with the Indian government. Visa's adoption in India skyrocketed massively as a result of the government's actions in, in India. Um, Anyway, there's a whole bunch of these these, uh, examples of companies that are trying to jump onto this bandwagon and push this agenda. Um, But there's a lot of states as well who are actively pushing this, right? And I don't have time to go into each one of them. But you know, Greece, Hungary, tons of people. Italy is definitely doing it. and it's not that these are illegitimate goals, right? Like those countries sometimes have legitimate reasons to want to destroy the cash system, which have already be, we've already gone through. Um, but it's highly questionable whether somehow uh, forming complete dependence upon the bank payment system is gonna solve all those problems and not create a whole bunch of new problems. Okay, um, I don't have time to go into that. Okay, so the war on cash is a war which only one side seems to be fighting, Um, But now we're starting to see a bunch of pushback from civil society groups And in the I'm I'm focusing on the UK right now Um, in the UK We're starting to see a bunch of groups that are fighting back on the one hand there is the cash industry itself Like there's a bunch of companies who actually make the cash All right, there's and of course like industry interests They 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 want to protect this because this is what they make money from right so they, they set up groups like this To like sort of lobby organizations to try and promote the use of cash But more importantly there's a whole bunch of civil society groups and sort of consumer campaign groups This is a very prominent one in the UK called which who is promoting this idea that people should actually we should maintain diversity in payment systems we shouldn't all be forced to use the bank payment system all right which is what we call a digital money system right um, there's also respectable institutions like the RSA in the UK. I'm sure you guys in Sweden have, have other institutions that are also writing about this, but the RSA is a respected um, institute in the UK who's trying to promote this idea that we should protect the cash system as a public utility. Um, famous uh, consumer protection advocates like Rolf Nader in the US are also t- are talking about this now, saying you, know, you all think that this is a sort of benevolent system, but you're essentially uh, be locking yourself into dependence upon huge corporates. Um, and, one of the most problematic things you found in the public debate about this is that actually, what people have done is they bought completely into the narrative that's been pushed up by the payments industry itself. So they say, We believe that cashlessness is inevitable. And that the main problem with it, with it, is that not everybody is yet included into it. Therefore, what we should do is so start programs where the government essentially helps people who are not yet included in visa systems and sort of onboards them into the corporate systems. And that's what you call like digital inclusion or financial inclusion, where you essentially work for the payments companies and you help to get them on board. And charities will help to sort of onboard people into these corporate systems. And this is what's considered like the, the sort of the, the route to go, rather than actually protecting the cash system and keeping access to it. Um, so I'm going to uh, finish my talk uh, with this um, some kind of strategies that we use to when we're talking about why we should protect the cash system and how to sort of turn this narrative on its head in some kind of way. I need a sip of water quickly. I talk very fast. Ah. Luckily in Sweden, the, the level of English is pretty high, so hopefully you guys are following me. Uh, sometimes when I'm in other countries, it just gets like, you know, a bit crazy. Um, so, framing tip one. Cash is the bicycle of payments, not the horse-drawn carriage. All right, the payments industry loves this idea that cash is some kind of outdated, outmoded form that's being, quote-unquote, upgraded by the digital payment system. This is complete crap. Uh, cash is a parallel system that has different properties and, in fact, underpins the digital money system. All right, I don't know if you guys have ever seen the ATM. What is the ATM? The ATM is where you go to redeem the promises that banks issue you in digital form for the thing that they're promising you, which is state money. All right, and the, the attempt to sort of like so like the whole cash system actually underpins the entire digital money system And you can't just like remove it um, And anyway cash is the the of the, the payments secondly, it's not the cashless society It's the bankful society. This is like you. It's like people referring to like, you know uh, uh, sort of whiskey as beerless alcohol It's just like just like say what it is like what we're talking about is a society dominated by the banking system all right now you might like the banks but let's actually just say what the cash society is all right um, that would immediately change the public the public debate about it um, cash is a public utility that needs to be protected all right it doesn't uh, exclude anybody You might you might not like it it might not be as efficient as you want but it's it's a certainly it's underpins um, it, it there's essentially something fundamentally inclusive about the way the way that it's used it's, it's a kind of like a gregarious um, Non-judgmental form of payment. All right, it sort of just allows anybody to to use it and um, doesn't really care who you are. Uh, and th- to that point. Uh, the sort of whole narrative around why cash is so crap has got a highly uh, social elitist element to it. The people who are most quickly drawn to this narrative tend to be social elites who have very high levels of confidence in institutions and their relationship to institutions. Where they say, hey, why on earth would you not want to have the efficiency of these institutions? Are you crazy? If you go got anybody who's in lower rungs of society who do not feel that f- official institutions actually represent them, they have a very different attitude towards this. They actually view this type of thing as essentially a type of gentrification process or kind of a cleansing process, where people say, you would be better off if you had all these things, these sort of institutional structures between you, seeping between you, mediating your interactions. Don't rely on stuff between each other. Don't have peer-to-peer relationships with your own community. Rely on us, these huge institutions, instead. And it's actually a very uh, insidious narrative. There's a huge amount of stuff about the surveillance that's going on in these systems. I'm not going to touch on that right now. But there's also a massive issue around the actual resilience of these systems. This is one of the biggest concerns in national security stuff. So people say, oh, you know, cash is used for, like, you know, criminal transactions. It's like, well, let me tell you something. If you become entirely dependent on digital money systems, they become a huge vector for cyber attacks and and almost economic terrorism. So there's a lot of, like, national security people who are very concerned about this, uh, not least the Swedish uh, central bank right now. Um, so my last few, s- few uh, uh, slides am I I'm on time okay four minutes cool My last few slides um, some things that I, I, I've been sort of saying in the UK uh, state-affiliated institutions should accept state money now, I don't know if you guys know this but cash is actually the only form of state money that you can hold all right, you cannot hold state money in digital form right now. What, 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 what you call your money in the bank is essentially privately issued promises by your bank. Uh, sort of promising you access to state money, all right, is a different thing to actual state money, okay. So when, when, for example, institutions say we refuse to accept cash, what they're saying is we will not accept state money. We will only accept private corporate money. Okay, now that's fine to some extent if you you know if you have various reasons but like state affiliated institutions should not be doing that All right. It's fundamentally exclusive and it's essentially promoting the private payments industry. All right, so that's one thing Uh, Secondly, I'm tired of hearing banks say this stuff about like, oh, it's so so hard for us to keep the ATM infrastructure going It's costly and you know, nobody wants to use it. I do not honestly care whether they think people want it or not It's their duty if you make a promise to somebody and then you try to stop them from redeeming that promise um, Well, let me give you an analogy for this particular point here imagine you walked into a casino you hand over cash at the counter, and they give you these chips, right? Now you've got these chips. You're walking around the casino using it internal to the system, and then you, you, you want to go back and leave the casino, and they say, oh, sorry, actually, you're going to have to drive 40 kilometers that way if you want to redeem your chips. Yeah, that's like what they're doing when they're shutting down ATMs. They're saying we're not going to allow you to exit our systems You're gonna have to stay internal to our systems. All right, that's actually what's going on. It's a very different thing to like, oh, it's you know it's, Nobody wants to use it. I mean, I don't care if nobody wants to use it. You have to have that option there um, Now the last thing I'm gonna say this is the big politics uh, we I've been talking about banks so far and payments companies, but in the background and the sort of meta processes of global capitalism one of the things that's going on is like large-scale automation these companies Amazon uber they hate cash They want to automate everything, right? They're the sort of gods of automation. Amazon was actively lobbying against Philadelphia's attempt to protect cash usage in in the city. Philadelphia was trying to say, we're gonna require shops to keep accepting cash. Amazon lobbied against them, saying we will leave the city if you do that, all right? Why? Because large-scale automated corporate capitalism hates Small-scale peer-to-peer transactions. They want large-scale institutions that they can interface with and have these like large-scale, sort of uh, modular, automated systems. Um, so that's something to think about. Uh, that's my last, my old book, and that's my uh, Twitter profile and everything else. I have a new book coming out next year. So.